0: Wisconsin's afternoon news is on the air. Broadcasting live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at the Avenue in beautiful downtown Milwaukee.
1: Here's John McCure. All right, Sandy Max is here. So is Greg Matzik. Debbie Lazic is on your roads. Adam Roberts is producing the show this afternoon. Hope your Thursday's going great. Here's what we're chasing today. This is the three. three at 3 on Wisconsin's Afternoon News. All right, Sandy, what's up first?
2: More and more people on this Earth. China will soon no longer have the highest population on the planet.
1: That's right. Since 1950, the year the United Nations began keeping world population data, China has been the leader. Now both China and India both have more than 1.4 billion people, and experts believe that sometime this summer or early fall, India will have more people. Now, this is very hard to calculate exactly because, <laughs> you can imagine, babies are being Census, born. Census, the
2: head count, Sure, people are
1: dying every single day. Mathematical and both of calculations those countries are massive. Oh, th- th- yeah, they're huge. I mean, if you add them together, they make up a third of the world's population. Just those two countries—that's incredible. Those two countries. So, the calculations that scientists use range from surveys to birth and death records. Quote, it's a crude approximation, a best guess, said the guy at the U.N. in charge of counting population. Not long ago, India wasn't expected to become the most populous country until later this decade. But China has had a dramatic drop in fertility rates with children having, with families having fewer and fewer children. So sometime in the next couple of months, it will be India, not China. And by the way, (laughs) India is much smaller geographically. How how many Indias could you fit in China? Like seven Quite
0: a
2: few. Like just landmass? last year. Like, it's just... But I still feel like it's India's small. large, too, though. Well, it's relatively large. But not but as large as China. I, li- I like that game. How can you fit in? How many can you fit
1: in, right? You can get John, are you doing the math? in Texas. No, I was going to look up. You know, sometimes you can find these maps that says shows how big it is. Uh, India is actually three times smaller than the United States. Yeah. Oh. So, still pretty big, because we're a big nation geographically, but... Uh, only three times so a third. Think of our our, our sure from yeah. country, east to the right? Mississippi. Right. Yeah, and a billion more people. A billion. That's crazy. <laughs> more than a billion. That's crazy. <laughs> shoulder to shoulder. There you go. Yep. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> I, was use, I was gonna use a different term that's probably not radio acceptable. <laughs> yeah. You can say anything on the radio <laughs> I mean, once. I know that. <laughs> it's three thirteen. What's the second thing, Sandy?
2: A popular classic rock group from the Midwest pulling out of the big gig this year. Cheap trick. Due
1: to unforeseen circumstances, Cheap Trick will no longer be performing at the BMO Pavilion. They're scheduled to perform on June 22nd. That's one week from today. And they're out. Instead, Marcus King will be headlining the BMO Pavilion on Summerfest opening day. So Cheap Trick out. We hope everything's okay with the band. Yeah. Don't know any details. All right. What about the third thing?
2: Downtown Milwaukee could get its first public dog park by early next summer.
1: Yeah, and it's going to have a three-story tap room as well. This is going to be really cool. It's planned for vacant land west of the Milwaukee River at St. Paul Avenue, kind of right downtown. Projects are under City Design Reviews. Construction of the park could begin in the spring and, as you mentioned, be done by the summer of next year. An elevated patio along the Riverwalk would have 7,700 square feet and fire pits. That's the tap room. And a big old dog park. This would be nice for people downtown.
2: How close would this be to the Milwaukee Public Market? its Is it that little patch of land where the pink birds are? I don't know the okay, answer I wonder. That. I'm trying the, to but look that whole right area, now. there in Third Ward. Yeah. It's definitely in
1: that same general area. Yeah good Um,
2: there are other things down there like the pritzloff building and obviously water street with third ward so
1: good for the puppies good for the puppies and the people (laughs) with the puppies all right up next san francisco drug crackdown wait until you hear how much fentanyl was seized in this one drug raid it's a problem we've talked about often what they've discovered in san francisco is really almost literally unbelievable that's up next on wtmj A major drug crackdown in San Francisco. I mean, big time. Unprecedented. Wait till you hear the scale of this. ABC's Alex Stone is with us from Los Angeles. Alex, good afternoon.
0: Hey there, guys. Yeah, yeah John, it is. Uh, it's really big, what they've been doing. That, that We all know the, the issues uh, that San Francisco has been dealing with. They've been uh, highly publicized of the crime, the, the drugs and everything else. Rampant drug use in the city leading to everything the open air drug dealing that's going on and and then and all the the offshoots of that so about 6 weeks ago governor gavin Newsom announced that the state was going to run a essentially a military operation to go in and and take down the the drug networks 30 agencies coming together the national guard the california highway patrol the state police which is the the highway patrol to go on an offensive against drug activity it's what they are doing now and some of the numbers that we got today pretty incredible but first officer andrew barclay out on patrol telling us we're
3: stopping vehicles
0: with you know thousands hundreds of thousands of potentially lethal doses of fentanyl so they're organizing the offensive through a command center with the military running a lot of it intelligence coming in going after those who are buying those who are selling in the first six weeks of this they say they have netted 4.2 kilos of fentanyl enough to kill 2.1 million people three times the population of san francisco and a lot of it, they're pulling over cars. And and it's a lot of traffic stops figuring out what's coming in, they tell us. As with anything that comes to the city of San Francisco, it has to get here somehow. So if we have fentanyl coming into the city, it has to be delivered to San Francisco somehow. Very often that's done in vehicles. And guys, they, they said they found a majority of those being arrested are coming in from outside of the city. That the downtown area has become kind of this drug havens so people come in to buy they come in to sell but by putting a barrier around it and stopping them as they come in they've been netting a lot of it but they've also found a lot of cocaine a lot of methamphetamine they've made about a hundred arrests but that big number enough fentanyl that they have now found in the last six weeks to kill 2.1 million people Alex give us
1: some perspective are leaders discussing whether this is a big dent in what comes in is it a drop in the bucket what does this seizure mean
0: Unfortunately, it's only a drop in the bucket, and uh, the the leaders who are running this, the the military commanders, the uh, law enforcement uh, leaders, they say they know that, but this is only the the beginning of it. Mike Cena runs a drug task force uh, in the Northern
1: California area, and he told us this. The dealers, uh, even if they lose pounds, which is a lot of money, it's like nothing to them.
0: He knows that there is a lot more out there. That's why they're able to, to find so much of it. And uh, But he says that as a city that they've kind of, uh, they're tired of it. And then that's why they're deciding to do I it. I
1: think that we finally reached the tipping point in this city where the number of deaths exceeded what anyone could stand anymore.
0: And a lot of this, again, this is the state saying they will handle it. So there's a lot of infighting in the city, a very liberal city, uh, where you've got the mayor now saying more needs to be done to combat it. There are members of other leadership uh, facets in the city saying, yeah, but you can't do this, you can't do that. So getting away from the the city uh, structure of it, this is the state and the military saying, look, we will do it. Uh, that, that gets around the controversy in the city doing it, uh, that that they will do it, and, and they're cracking down and kind of going around the city and, and handling a lot of it.
2: Alex, this really seems like it's a flood of fentanyl into this area. Is there any way to prevent where it's coming from in the first place?
0: Well, and that's what they say they need to do now is, is begin to, to fan out. So first in the communities around the city, uh, to go to where are people coming in from, where are they? Where are the drugs coming in from, then where are the drugs originally coming in from. Typically, fentanyl would be Mexico and China, and a lot of times it is China through Mexico and coming up that way. So then they've got to go that route and figure that out. In the uh, short term here, they are trying to end these open-air drug markets in downtown San Francisco, use the intelligence resources of the, the military to do it, this is Major General Matthew Beavers. He's handling that part of it. It's being able to understand the networks in such a way that we can uh, give that information back to law enforcement and they can get make arrests. Yeah, and then begin to, to fan out from there. So they're still in the very initial stages of this, and already they have, they've found that many drugs.
1: ABC's Alex Stone, a sobering story for sure. Alex, thank you so much for your reporting. We appreciate it. You got it. Thanks, guys. It is 324 at WTMJ. We've got something awfully special going on this week. It's our latest WTMJ Cares, and I love this. This is such important work.
2: I'm so glad. I've always enjoyed hearing WTMJ Cares when I wasn't here as a teammate. And now that I'm here to get to spearhead an effort, and this one helps people in our community, and you don't have to have money to help. Mm -hmm. You just have to be willing to roll up your sleeve and donate a pint of your blood. And you could save up to three lives, and you can hang out at the zoo.
1: How good is that? Yay! And the parking's even included.
2: (laughs) It's uh, WTMJ cares partnering with the American Red Cross and Gruber Law Offices. You can stop by a three-day blood drive: Monday, June 26th, Tuesday, June 27th, Wednesday, June 28th. One of those days on your calendar. Does it work to stop by the Milwaukee County Zoo and spend about an hour with some of the nicest nurses and fine folks from American Red Cross you'll ever meet and donate? A pint of blood. In exchange, you will get free same-day admission at the zoo and parking. Great. And a free pair of Summerfest tickets to make the most of your summertime. And, as I like to say, they won't let you leave without uh, juicing up (laughs) and uh, having some cookies and raisins and treats. You get some free food out of it as well.
1: You get to choose whether you have the cookies or the raisins, right? You can have both. Okay. They won't oh, they better. won't stop okay. you. They won't Bonus. stop. Bonus, I like it.
2: They're they're so pleased that you'll come and donate. <laughs> uh, a really easy way to go ahead and schedule your appointment is text the word blood to our Old National Bank Talk and Text line. Text blood to 855-616-1620 that's blood 8556161620 and i say that because then you'll just get the link right there on your phone and the american red cross is great at making it convenient to to sign up for a spot and also just convenient to donate
1: it's so easy wtmj cares with Sandy and the help of Gruber Law Offices. So text the word BLOOD to eight five five six one six one six twenty. 616 1620
2: You can also find the info at WTMJ.com.
1: Wisconsin's Afternoon News on WTMJ. Yeah, it's a smoky day out there. Those wildfires in Canada smoke on the water and on the land. It's smoke everywhere. Meteorologist Brian Znansky is with us. Are you out yep. in it, Niz?
3: Yeah, we're um, actually en route uh, to our remote location up in Germantown uh, for today. But, uh, yeah, I mean, there's still smoke in the air, but it's definitely improved from where we were this morning. Visibility, much better situation. And air quality levels at last check also improving.
1: So walk us through the dynamic that's at play here and why it's over us and why it moves or doesn't move.
3: Totally, yeah. It was our turn for today. Uh, But, yeah, more specifically, um, there is, Wildfires that are up in Alberta, those are that's a very typical spot where Canada sees their wildfires. Um, and then you have the fires that are a little bit more rare over in Quebec. Now, what has been really strange is when we start to get some of those Quebec wildfires in play, where you have, uh, again, smoke that's almost working its way backwards as it wraps around an area of low pressure. What we had this morning was a combination of both the Alberta wildfire smoke And also that Quebec wildfire smoke. They had it yesterday in the Twin Cities, and we had it today. So uh, at at points this morning, that was about as poor of air quality uh, as we've seen so far uh, during this early summer. That has been, you know, the story uh, with the wildfire season.
0: Niz, it it took looking at the radar the other day with all the rain that we had to understand the weather pattern. It it was just so strange to see that big glob of green going from north to south and just hanging over the entire state.
3: that's totally an excellent point because the smoke that we're seeing a lot of it is taking that same path that you see it coming wrapping around, like Lake Huron, and coming back around, uh, like the Bay of Green Bay, and then down towards us. Now, the area of low pressure and precipitation with it is far enough east, but the overall upper level pattern is still very similar. And then you start to get some of that smoke with the even higher elevations of, of the westerlies uh, from Alberta. And it just combined for just a really nasty morning across the area. Now, some of this was cloud cover today. There have been days where, like, it's been 100% smoke, and you're going, where's the blue sky? Um, There was some mid-level cloud cover, and there still is out there this afternoon. So it's not one of those days, at least, that, you know, it's complete, like, that we would be blue skies completely without the smoke. Uh, But there was a while there, especially when that cold front passed through at, like, 9 a.m. this morning, some of that smoke worked its way down to the surface. And I'll tell you, my I mean, I'm fine, but I noticed it. I was out and about this morning. I went and did a, a weather talk down in Racine. My eyes are super itchy. Um, my throat is a little bit more scratchy. Um, so, yeah, it's uh, its definitely uh, something that can affect people.
2: So when I was driving in this morning, it was... It's still, I'm like, oh, it's fog because it's a little cool and it's a little, you know, springy. And something. it's like, oh, no, that's smoke. That's not fog.
3: <laughs> totally, Sandy. Yeah, it's uh, the stuff was covering about the top half of some of the buildings uh, downtown Milwaukee. Thankfully, there wasn't a huge period where that layer of smoke that you see covering the top half of the building made it completely down to the surface. Because then I think we would get into a territory where we're talking about. Like very unhealthy conditions for everybody, not just people who have asthma or COPD and stuff. So like it's a uh, it, it, it thankfully it could be worse. What um, New York had, what was worse? Um, we definitely weren't at New York level of smoke a couple of days ago, but uh, certainly to the closeness of maybe what Minneapolis was dealing with yesterday. What about tomorrow? Is I think
1: hazy tomorrow? Yeah,
3: that's great. Totally, yeah. I do think we're already on a downward trend with the smoke, and that will continue tonight, and then tomorrow still maybe a little haze in the air but nothing uh like what we're dealing with today i think for by all things considered tomorrow will be a better day with the smoke and i think that continues this weekend as well
1: all right meteorologist brian Nisnansky. good stuff thanks niz
3: all right see you guys later
1: 343 at wtmj shared revenue gets passed through both chambers in madison what happens next tmj force charles benson with a slide right after the break Shared revenue passes through both chambers in Madison yesterday. Now it will be in the hands of the governing bodies here in Milwaukee, the city, and Milwaukee, the county. TMJ4's Charles Benson, their chief political reporter, has been covering this from the very beginning. Uh, Charles, this next phase could be the most critical and maybe the most difficult.
4: Yeah, I think it's fair to say that Uh, you really have to look here that you have two different bodies with the Common Council and the county board. And remember, the threshold now is two thirds. If you look at the vote in the Senate, it falls just shy of two thirds They get 21 votes on this uh, for shared revenue, including six Democrats. So it is clearly a bipartisan deal coming out of the legislature. If those six Democrats did not join in the Senate, uh, it would not have passed. So we did see Bipartisan support in Madison. The question now is, what does it look like? And let's start with the Common Council. There are 15 members. They need 10 to get there. And I'll point people to a statement from seven Milwaukee Alder men and women that came out late Friday night and raised a lot of concerns about the deal that was in front of the legislature. One of the key lines from them is this quote: "There is nothing to celebrate with the overreaching." micromanaging, and frankly, racist nature of many of the policies embedded in this, quote, groundbreaking deal. That is their statement. Now, those seven do not indicate in this statement where they are, how they would vote, but they raise a num- number of concerns around these policy issues with the Fire and Police Commission, around diversity and equity and how the streetcar can be funded. Those are key issues for them, and so how they come across and how they try to um, – decide how they're going to vote on this thing, will be critical. Because if those seven hold to a position of no, it does not pass in the Common Council. So Charles and Madison, and you and I both spent a
1: lot of time in Madison, oftentimes together, covering different things. It was incredibly interesting yesterday. LaTanya Johnson, state senator from southeast Wisconsin, looked at the podium and said, this is disgusting, this is despicable, this is terrible legislation, and then she voted for it. Because it's what necessary, she believes, for Milwaukee to escape this financial catastrophe that is looming, isn't that likely how it plays out in the city of Milwaukee, that they rant and rave and they're
4: very upset? But if they don't vote for this, it's the financial cliff. It is, and that's the consequences of your vote, and I think that's what... Elected leaders are looking here at here because all of them say, look, bipartisan legislation. And we when we talk, you know, we often talk about how, uh, you know, it's either all in for the Republicans or all in for the Democrats. And when we talk about compromising, when we talk about about bipartisan, not every side wins here. And you look at the statement coming out of uh, County Executive Crawley and Chairwoman Nicholson uh, after the vote last night. They they say that. Bipartisan legislation often means not everyone will get everything they wish. And while they're saying, yeah, we'd like to have our own autonomy here, they all recognize, John, the point that you're making there. The fiscal cliff exists. It doesn't go away. It doesn't go away with a speech on the floor that says this doesn't you know, hold up or there are parts of it that doesn't hold up. I'm not saying that the other parts aren't worthy to talk about or have concerns about. They've made their voice very clear on that. The question is, what do they do knowing that this fiscal cliff is coming in 2025? Now, I did some checking around today, so I'm looking to see how soon will we see this vote in the Common Council, and that is for the 2% increase in the sales tax, and then how soon could we see it with the county board, because they're looking at a .04. On the Common Council side, I'm hearing around July, so that's not that far off, and I'm told every month that they wait until they can get this 2% sales tax passed. The sales tax will generate $15 million a month, and that's critical money that the city says it needs to go to the pension issue.
2: Charles, let's say this all gets passed. How soon can, let's say it gets approved in July, how soon does that 2% Get added so to it our- sounds like
4: it will work it will work fast because they 're going to want to try to capture. Uh, that two percent as soon as they can. So you know, do they wait until the start of the month? You know, I, I I don't have any specific details that it's going to be a thirty or sixty day. But my my guess is that they're going to want to get it out there as soon as possible. When you look at when we added the sales tax uh, to help with the uh, funding of the uh, stadium in Milwaukee, uh, you know that was the regional sales tax. So they know how to add these sales tax and put it in there so all everybody can start adding it to their bill. I imagine it would happen quickly. Charles,
1: as somebody who's lived here for a long time, I'm proud of what happened here. Republicans wanted a lot. Democrats wanted a lot. A lot was needed to make this happen, and both sides came together. They both gave up, and the far fringes on each party is not happy but legislation got done and there was a major compromise that took place. You've covered politics for a long time. Isn't this how it's supposed to work on
4: big yeah, issues? Yeah, it, it really is. You know, we often talk about uh, how divided we are as a state, how divided we are as a country. But when you look at how things get done, At the end of the day, the bipartisan work. I mean, you you look go all the way back to former Governor Tommy Thompson. When you look at his key legislative wins around school choice, around welfare reform, they do not happen unless he gets bipartisan support. So if people are saying, boy, I'd like to see government get along, this is a case where Democrats and Republicans found a way to come together and pass something that neither of them, you know, would stand up there and say this is the greatest piece of legislation, but they will tell you this is what happens when you make a compromise and you come to an agreement to try to help a city and a county that are facing a well-known, well-defined fiscal situation.
2: Charles, we got a text from the Old National Bank talking text line at 855-616-1620. And it's someone, uh, Kendall, would like to know, what if the city approves the sales tax and the county does not? Is there a scenario yeah, where so, that could happen?
4: Yeah, I think you know it's not one or the other or they both have to pass here. These are two individual bodies that will have the opinion, that have the option the sales tax for the city is at 2%, and the sales tax for the county is at .04%. And the two-thirds number for the County Board of Supervisors, I believe, is 12 because they have 18 members. Hey, Charles, less than a minute, but I wanted to ask you quickly a Donald Trump
1: question. He's indicted and arraigned. Do you believe that makes it more or less likely he's here for
4: that debate in August? Um, I don't know if that really plays into the equation on whether he's here or not. I go to some of his earlier statements about why he thinks should he be on the the first stage because, hey, look, he's leading in the polls. I think he's a guy who constantly looks at the polls. So what are the numbers saying? You know, Right after the indictment, he holds a big fundraising and rally in New Jersey. I think he's going to look at the poll numbers. What are they saying? What are people looking at? And if he sees a slippage there, are people concerned about something, I think that will motivate him more to be on that debate stage so he can have his opportunity. You've seen Chris Christie come out about uh, the, the indictment. You've heard some of these other presidential candidates raise concerns about, quote, the seriousness of the indictment. So that might be his motivating factor to say he would want to be on that debate stage. TMJ4
1: reporter, anchor, Charles Benson. Always great stuff. Thanks, Charles. You're welcome.